Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey there, welcome to the show and the countdown. God, and you know what? After after November third, it'll still be a countdown because the numbers won't be in. Republicans will continue to do what Republicans do, which is file lawsuits left, right, and center, trying to vote from being counted, um, it, pulling out every trick they have up their sleeves. Uh, they're like, I don't know, I was trying to think, what's an animal known for just, I guess, a wolverine or a badger? These animals that are known for just being fierce fighters, not lovable, just fierce fighters. Uh, it's October 30. Oh, no, it's not. I'm trying to get ahead. It's October 29th. And uh, whatever. I don't even feel like I have <clears throat> that much left to say. I think I alluded to that yesterday. I read the paper and I think, yeah, so what? <laughs> yeah, tell me something I don't know. I I got a little bit of a an attitude now. Um, yeah, seriously, tell me something I don't know. Tell me something I should be worried about. I know all those things. Tell me things are going in the wrong direction in in regard to this. I know. I, I'm beginning to see how some people just decide that they'll tune it all out and just live their lives. But I consider that irresponsible because I because of the way I was brought up. It's it's easier and uh, but it's irresponsible. I'm there's a uh, supervisor of elections in Florida who, you know, has has not had a good year like all of us. Anytime you're a supervisor of elections anywhere in Florida, you got to figure you're already on shaky ground and then between you know, COVID and just electoral politics and all of that, um he was quoted as saying all we're missing is an asteroid landing with flesh-eating zombies, and then our year would be complete. You know what? He should keep his mouth shut. God. There was an asteroid in the news. There have been two asteroids in the news, right? And I haven't really paid much attention. One uh, – we landed on, or NASA, somebody landed on it and grabbed some of it for uh, study, I guess, which is pretty astonishing, right? Um, and then I saw out of the corner of my eye a few days later, I saw that uh, the whatever we put up there to grab something from the asteroid, the, the daring object that had grabbed part of the asteroid is now itself in trouble so it might have been damaged in the uh in the effort i don't know I, I believe me everything i'm saying to you should be taken with a grain of salt because as i said these are stories that i didn't really read i just sort of looked at in my peripheral vision i think kind of and then the other asteroid story is sort of an old one but isn't there an asteroid supposed to come very close to hitting us um, on election day or something and I remember the first time I saw that, I thought, geez, wow, that's just perfect. I mean, that is perfect. And then I saw somewhere that the asteroid was like the size of a, you know, I don't know. It was, uh, it was as asteroids go, it was almost uh, minuscule. And even if it were in a direct trajectory to have an impact on Earth, it it was so small it would uh, it would not make it through our atmosphere. I think those are the two asteroid stories. I think. Um, I just want to 
do a public service here since I had mentioned that it's really too late to mail your ballot. Don't. Don't mail it. Although, with the Supreme Court ruling that ballots received by November 3 could be counted, um, if I even postmarked, um, so whatever, I would not mail a ballot now, which means you have to turn it in. And I just wanted to say that the um, the lobby of the county office building on Forbes Avenue, directly behind the city county building, right, um, uh, will be open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, Saturday and Sunday included, from now until Election Day. They'll be open 12 hours. That's if you have a ballot and you simply need to drop it off in the lobby. Um, on Election Day, it'll open one hour earlier. It'll be open at 7 and stay open till 8 p.m. So, I mean, that's a big hunk of time in which you can make that trip. The satellite offices are not open um, anymore, okay? Um, also, if you have, if you filled your ballot out, fear you made a mistake, or you can't find that security envelope that has to be in the bigger envelope, just take what you got and go to the same place, but there your hours are a little less because you're going to want to go up to the elections office, and they will reissue your ballot. They'll give you a nice new fresh one as long as you can give them the one you think you messed up, okay? And they are not open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. They, they are open in the same building from 8.30 to 4.30, okay? So not as good a window, but it means that you're not, you're not in, uh, you know, without any um, possible uh, corrective action and you needn't despair, okay? You would be given um, a replacement ballot. Or if you even asked for one but never received one, again, go, and they will correct it, okay? And that's in that same building, 542 Forbes Avenue. It's on the sixth floor. Um, also, you are to be reminded that you must return your own ballot. You can't come with yours and your spouses and your next-door neighbors. It has to be the person whose ballot it is. And um, is there anything else you need to know? If you want to confirm uh, your polling place, the, 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 the thing that's got all the website that has everything you need is PA vote voter services dot PA dot gov, whatever. But okay, I'm just giving all this info to you in case you're still a little flummoxed, don't have your ballot in, and had intended to mail it. But really, seriously, I do not think that's a smart thing to do. Speaking of people voting, uh, I've throughout my life been stunned by the number of people who don't vote, um, who don't see it as their responsibility or as their duty, um, who are more than willing to take all of the things that uh, living in, well, I'll call it a democracy for a little bit longer, uh, all of the freedoms that are given to them, but don't feel they have to in any way do anything on their part. They don't see it as some kind of a contractual 
I'm a citizen. I expect this from my government. They expect this from me, right? Voting is just such a piddling thing to do. And I came across a number which just blew me away. Four years ago, 2016, the horrific election that gave us Donald Trump, there were 17 million plus, 17 and a half million plus people who did not vote. There were more than that, but I'm going to finish the sentence. Four years ago, they were, there were 17 and a half million voters who did not bother to vote, who have already voted this year. 17.5 million plus people who couldn't be bothered four years ago didn't see why it was a big deal, who cares, who all of a sudden see that it's important. <clears throat> that is a ton of votes, 17 and a half million, and that's now, already. That's over, in fact, over 25% of all the ballots that have been cast thus far. And of course, I'm not sure these numbers might have been from two days ago. So that could be even higher now. And folks who crunch the numbers on this kind of thing say that it's quite possible then that we could see as many as 40 million voters who didn't vote four years ago vote this year. 40 million. That's huge. Now, of course, we like to think that those are all people so freaked out about Donald Trump that they're finally going to vote and make sure he doesn't win again. On the other hand, you can't necessarily figure that that's true, although the odds are that more of those votes are probably Biden votes. I heard a disquieting story the other day. A woman I know quite well who has lived in this area forever has an 80-year-old aunt. And her 80-year-old aunt, she said, on November 4th, whatever it was, whatever the date was uh, in 2016, the day after the election that Trump one, this then 76-year-old aunt of hers asked her to meet her for lunch, and she was so distraught. She was like crying. Well, who wasn't? And my friend, you know, remembers that so vividly. And she told me that same woman, four years later, is not voting for Biden. She's not voting for Trump. She's either voting third party or not voting at all, and you know why? I mean, because she's a sure Biden supporter. But it turns out that her very progressive friends have been jumping all over her because she doesn't quite get the Black Lives Matter thing. And so they have called her a racist, and she is so angry and so hurt, and who knows what, maybe an unconscious racist, that's my bet, that she, despite her Biden voting friends, is not going to vote for Biden. Now, this strikes me as 
you know, literal, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face, that kind of thing. Silly, silly, stupid. But it, it also tells you how people, you know, come to their vote, make these choices, and uh, it is possible to alienate your own voters by going after them if they don't check all the boxes they're supposed to check in your mind, you know? I heard a similar story from somebody else about somebody else. And this, I think, is something that lefties do quite often. And this is that sort of smugness and holier-than-thou-ness that they end up excoriating people who are on their side. Maybe not in lockstep with everything, but here's another old saw. But throwing out the baby with the bathwater, they jump on these people. These people are to be shunned, silenced, shamed, whatever. And when people who are subjected to that react in that, oh, yeah, watch this and do a 180 on you, it shouldn't be surprising. Okay? Just want to say. Better to have that 80-year-old's vote who was sobbing four years ago that Donald Trump got elected. Because it would have been a Biden vote. Uh, what else I got here? I don't know. You know, the problem is, is when I look at, as I said, when I look at the paper now and say, yeah, 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 tell me something I don't know. I can't find anything I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, here's something that's of interest to me. Uh, while we continue to see, you know, this surge of uh, infection and hospitalization and death when it is not a given that all of that has to happen. It's only a given if you live in a country in which there is no leadership, federal leadership on this huge public health threat and couple that with, and you happen to live in a country where an alarming number of the populace has misunderstood the idea of freedom that the founding fathers gave to the citizenry. individual freedom. They don't really get it. So you live in a country, and it's not that they're, they're anti-authoritarian. It's not that. I'm anti-authoritarian. I have trouble anytime somebody tells me what to do. I get my backup. I am by nature inclined to uh, talk back to authority and to say, who says I gotta, right? However, I also subscribe to this idea of that I am part of something larger than myself and that that requires me to behave in a certain way that doesn't just benefit me, but benefits the greater whole, the country, the community, right? And there, it just blows my mind how these people who are like saying, 
that it's tyranny to force them to wear a mask. <laughs> you think they're anti-authoritarian? These are the very people that are going to vote for a would-be authoritarian America in Donald Trump. These are the people who are, by nature, quite willing to live in an authoritarian country as long as as long as those authorities are keeping certain people in line and that doesn't mean white christian people you get my drift so anyway a country not unlike our own a, a big uh, raucous, uh, mostly white, much whiter than us, uh, country, Australia, has done a hell of a lot better in dealing with this crisis. And in fact, the second largest city in Australia, Melbourne, saw a troubling surge a little over three and a half months ago. And the powers that be, the authority figures there said, uh-oh, uh-oh, we don't like where this is going. Things look like they're spiraling out of control. They were seeing more than 700 cases a day. And you know what they did? They mandated one of the more severe lockdowns taken by any governmental agency anywhere. They locked that city down. It's a city of 5 million people. Schools were closed. Businesses were closed. Houses of worship were closed. No one could travel more than three miles from their house without a permit. You could go outside, but never more than one hour a day. There was a nightly curfew as well. It was a severe lockdown. And yesterday, the doors were opened. 111 days of lockdown, and the doors were opened up, and restaurants open, beauty salons open, schools, stores, people thronged in the streets. <clears throat> and you know why? <coughs> Excuse me. Because there are no cases there. They shut it down. And they told everybody, look, we shut it down, but we, you know now what will happen if you abuse, if you aren't smart, if you don't wear masks, if you don't social distance, if you don't do the smart things. We'll close it down again if we have to. <coughs> there were only a handful of small protests during the entire 111 days. A majority of people said they approved of what had happened. And that's how you beat this. And that's why we can't. Because even if Biden's elected, even if there are national mask mandates, there are enough Americans who will still refuse. And they will take it as a badge of honor. 
throw me in jail if you want. I will not succumb to this tyranny. We have so many. So now when you hear Fauci or anybody else speak about what we're heading into, they're not mincing words. It's dire. It's uglier than anything we have seen thus far. And now they're saying things are not going to return to normal in 2021, that we got another whole year plus of this. And the reason is because there are too many Americans who are, excuse me, fucking fools. <clears throat> because we can see that it doesn't have to be this way. Excuse me for my throat. Excuse me. It's my allergy season. <clears throat> ah, okay. God. <clears throat> so I I despair. I, I must I must say. I, I despair. I read something like that about Australia and I think or New Zealand or any of these other countries. Canada, by the way. There are whole provinces in Canada, the eastern Nova Scotia, those guys. They absolutely are almost totally free of this. Totally free. They don't want you to visit, I'll tell you that, and I don't blame them. The Canadians, even though they're in such close proximity to us, if you look at their curve, it is so, I mean, my God, they're not killing. They're not dying like we are. This is American stubbornness and stupidity. Uh, speaking of stupidity, Dave in Washington has written in. I'm sorry, Dave, but that was stupid. Go to a bar. As you know, he's tested positive. He writes, obviously, it's best I not go vote in person. Yeah, but I really, really wanted to. Anyway, I mailed my ballot in on Tuesday and was notified yesterday it was received. Well, that's good. I wouldn't trust it now. He says, I would have loved to go to the polls and find a bunch of yahoos in camo uh, and guns. I take out my phone, start recording, then walk past them, giving them the finger and yelling Black Lives Matter at them just to piss them off. Maybe take my mask off, lean into them, and whisper a dirty Hillary joke up their noses. Yeah, I know I can be an asshole, but I can't do it. Damn. Speaking of camo, last year at my office, a guy came up on crutches and dressed head to toe in camo. I asked him what he did, and he said he'd shot himself in the toe. Ow, I said, with all that camo, maybe you didn't see it. I thought I was being funny, but he didn't. Oh, well. I'm feeling all right, not feeling too good. My Oh, lyrics. Feeling all right, not feeling too good myself. Nothing to report, still here, bored, but taking lots of naps, can't complain. Carry on. Yeah, you just take care of yourself. Jeez. Um, so I, uh, I don't know, guys, scary times. So that was a shocker by the Supreme Court in regard to us, right? One of the things that happened is, uh, Amy, uh, did not, uh, vote. She shouldn't have, but it wasn't for the reason she shouldn't have. Uh, she uh, did not vote because um, a court spokeswoman said that because she did not participate in the consideration of the motion and because of the need for a prompt resolution and because she had not had time to fully review the filings. 
The Republicans also lost another similar vote in North Carolina. But uh, Alito made clear that even though they aren't hearing the case before the election, they might go back after the election. Big deal. I mean, that's just not as harrowing. But no, Amy will at some point begin her voting, and we're going to have this 6-3 court hanging around us unless we do something pretty radical. And I sure as hell hope we do. A little his history in regard, though, to America and uh, public health. Um, someone's written a book called American Contagions, and it's it specifically is about how the law, American jurisprudence, has dealt with these kinds of pandemics or uh, public health emergencies, other public health emergencies. And um, it shows that throughout our history, the one thing that America has always done, the American legal establishment has always done, is protect the powerful, protect the elites. So no matter when, they're always there to make sure businesses don't get screwed, that employees can't sue. Um, American law, the author writes, has regularly displayed a combination of neglect and contempt toward the health of the powerless. So get this. In 1793, there was a yellow fever outbreak in Philadelphia. And the authorities there, many of whom had presided over the drafting of the Constitution, <coughs> excuse me, a mere, what, six years prior, uh, they ruled that, you know what? We're in the middle of this thing. It's killing a bunch of us. But black people, we have decided, are immune to the disease, which, of course, is not true. And they mandated that because black people were immune to the disease, it was black people who were going to do all the perilous, life-threatening work like caring for the sick, the poor sick white people, and burying the dead. 1793, Philadelphia. It was decided that black people <laughs> were magically immune. Sort of makes them sound like a superior race, doesn't it? And whenever there was any kind of outbreak of plague, smallpox, TB, whatever, invariably, no matter where the city was, the powers that be turned on a minority population. When there was bubonic plague in San Francisco, they decided it was Chinatown, and they locked it down. Only white people were able to flee the city. Los Angeles did the same thing to Mexican neighborhoods 24 years after that. And yet, Every once in a while, some American bailiwick sort of got the idea that the individual at some point was not as important as the 
collective. And so there was this eight, from 1850, the Massachusetts Sanitary Commission. And this also was during a time of disease. And they wrote this. We are social beings bound together by indissoluble ties. And these health policies which we are instituting will protect one set of human beings from being the victims of disease and death through the selfish cupidity of other human beings. Yep, we know all about that. Uh, hang on here. I have a caller. Hello. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm okay, how are you? Good. Hey, um, you were talking about uh, expanding the court. Did you happen to see that guy? He is wild hair. He's a law professor somewhere. I can't. You can't miss him. He's crazy when he's on her, but he's right about a lot of stuff. And he said to expand the uh, Supreme Court so it's take away its power. It has too much power right now. One branch of government shouldn't have that much power. Like just like they're going to decide election if they're the votes counting. You well, you know, they could do it again, yeah. They already decided yeah. one, yeah. And I, You know what? If that's how this is going to turn out, if they think the American <sighs> people are going to put up with that. I mean, yeah. I really think we're into a civil bloodbath war. I think guns – and if they think <laughs> that the Republicans are the only ones that have guns, I know a lot of people that are Democrats that have guns. So don't even go there with the gun thing. But I, I don't even – like to even think of something terrible like that but they have to expand that court to even it out because they have too much power that that supreme court and this woman they put on her she should have been disqualified from the beginning as a judge you got to be neutral you can't have an opinion and you can't you can't interpret the law by the way you think of over religion or whatever it is it, it doesn't exactly. make no sense to me that they would even mm -hmm. call that work that time remember when he when uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Back, sure. Same thing. It, it should have never went through. And how? And I, I, I'm like, I'm with Schumer. You're gonna, there's gonna payback's gonna be a bitch. It's time to pay him back. I, let, let's play fire with fire when it comes to that. You just pack that yeah. court with, put ten of them on, whatever. Mm -hmm. this Are you thinking of Cornell West? The guy. I think Cor so, yeah. Cornell West. Yeah, is that wild hair? <laughs> I love that guy. He's funny as hell too, and he's smart too. Yeah, he. Th yeah, I think that's who you're thinking of. Whatever. I mean, <clears throat> there's no doubt uh, about it. And I saw um, a congressman say something interesting the other day. He said, "Hey, you know, everybody thinks the president, the executive, is like so powerful." He said, "The Congress is meant to be very powerful." He said the Congress can literally get rid of the president through impeachment. The president has no, no ability to get rid of the Congress. So it's a matter of if these the, – the president has, presidency has gotten too, yes, power-centric. The Congress has given up too much of its power. And the Supreme Court has been left right to uh, fill in the void, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, if we have to pack the court, we pack the court. It's not like it hasn't been done before. It was done right before our eyes up until just the other day. Yep. Yeah, and, I hear you. And one other thing you were saying about these people that don't wear the mask and that. We have a family that lives on our street, and every year they have a Halloween party. And they, our streets, there's cars everywhere. The next morning, you have beer cans on the street and all that. But, you know, you don't, you're a good neighbor. You don't say nothing or anything. They get a little loud once in a while. Oh, well, you got to put up with that. But this year, they were out there. Same thing. They had the same party. 
And if you look in their yard, what do you see? A Trump sign. So mm-hmm. that just tells you everything right mm-hmm. there. Anybody that's a Trump supporter probably doesn't wear a mask, and that's just the way it is. Well, and the fact that right. Trump made this into a political thing um, has – God knows how many people that has killed because it's not a political thing. It is common public health sense. And so, yeah, he's killing his own base, and they, like lemmings, are more than willing. It's, it's really astonishing to see, scary to see. Okay. Hey, thank you. Okay. Thank okay. You. Yeah. Bye. bye. Uh, Beth writes, my wife brought up a good point to mention to any of these Trumpicans about mail-in voting. If you and the IRS can accept a tax filing not being late by a postmark, then why can't you accept the same for a ballot? Well, yeah, voting, says Beth, is a little more important, isn't it? Well, no, not of course. No, because most voters vote Democrat. Tick, tick. So, yeah, I hear you. Listen, uh, asking these Trumpicans, as you uh, tell them, to somehow engage in some lucidity um, of thought, you know, to have uh, things conform in some kind of uh, rational way in the way that they respond to things, is asking. A bit much, I just want to say. Really, a bit much. Uh, Oh, I wanted to share this with you. Um, Again, I've been sort of on the warpath about our media. I was talking yesterday about how, well, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. If it's if it's a train wreck, we're covering it. How um, the media is largely responsible for elevating uh, Donald Trump because he was good for their ratings. And hey, guys, I mean, that's what it's all about. You think it's about journalism? Which is not to say that there are not extremely honorable journalists working in these organizations. But God, they make me crazy. And someone on Twitter pointed out something that I I wanted to pass on. And he's saying, you know, our reporters, journalists, just don't use accurate language. A lot. Stop and think of how for years and years, They wouldn't say Trump lies. They wouldn't call it a lie. The president uh, misstated. The president misled. Uh, The president said, although others said, and and just didn't say, what the? That is a lie, right? Which now some do with regularity. But they were reluctant, reticent to speak the truth. That's a lie. And this guy's pointing out that what they do now is how they use the word conservative so that they will call you know, okay, Trump supporters are conservatives. No, they're not. The term conservative has, I mean, the definition of conservative has totally changed. So just a few years ago, what would have been called a right-wing extremist is now called a conservative. It's also like calling militias militias. They are not. They are domestic terrorist groups. 
And if journalists are not able to understand the importance of language, then they are complicit in allowing right-wing extremists and terrorists to pose as conservatives. So the term conservative, as it is being used now, has no relationship whatsoever to something that, let's say, even Barry Goldwater would understand. Ronald Reagan would understand. And a whole host of people who call themselves conservatives who are now saying never, ever, ever Trump. All of them, the ones who say you've got to vote for the Democrat, even though I'm conservative. They're trying to conserve the meaning of that word, but it's pretty much gone. And then there was this that was pointed out. The New York Times today has a piece. Um, I started reading it, and then it annoyed me so much I stopped. Then I see this guy had the same reaction. And the New York Times, one of the headlines on it was, Biden's caution, wise campaign tactic, or misguided gamble. And this whole thing is about if Biden loses, as he screwed this baby up by the way he has done his campaign. How does a newspaper decide to write a piece like that when the guy they're talking about, excuse me for screaming, has the largest apparent lead over an incumbent president in almost a hundred years. And they're doing a report on, well, did he screw up here? Did he screw up here? And that's this, the Times does this a lot, always trying to take, you know, if it's looking good for Democrats, they will try to take it down. I don't know what it is, but I think it has something to do, again, with they want a horse race. They want to be able to set things up so that they've got more BS stories to assign their reporters. Drives me nuts. All right. Oh, I came upon a story that really made me happy. And when this whole horror is done, I'm going to make an effort to go to this place. It's a new museum that is going to open in Washington, D.C. And it's, it's the work of one woman who, like me, loves words, but unlike me, I guess, has lots of money and energy. So this thing that is opening, I guess did open this week. I mean, obviously, nothing can really open, but it technically has opened, is called Planet Word. And it's a museum of words and language. And it's three floors, and it's interactive. Lots of video screens, and visitors 
are asked to imagine what would the origin of that word be, speaking of, you know, the inability of so many people, including people who should know better, about what do words mean and how important are they? The woman whose dream this was is a former teacher named Ann Friedman. And, you know, they're now staggering how many people can be in there at any uh, time. But I'm looking at a picture of the floor. And embedded in the floor are these weird squiggles and I don't know what you would call them, just things. They're all different. And it says here, embedded in the floor of the main entrance are symbols used throughout human history. The beginnings of written language. And this woman says... A museum of words and language is needed now more than ever. She says literacy is the heart of democracy. And if you don't have a literate people, then you've got a nation that is composed of sheep who literally can be herded to their slaughter, which is what, in large part, Donald Trump has been doing. So I just would uh, just love to do this. This sounds like something that you could do with your family, obviously, because it's kid-friendly as well. Uh, there are 10 galleries. Uh, go into all kinds of things, wordplay, jokes, uh, techniques found in song lyrics, the tricks that are used in advertising, and in every situation, the visitor plays along and learns. I think it just sounds great. Um, God, I want to <laughs> I want to go to this thing. You can learn about public speaking in a gallery with tons of video clips ranging from The Lion King to Barack Obama's keynote at the 2004 convention. You can try your own skills and make your own recordings. There's a whole thing about the power of personal pronouns. There are places where you can record your own stories and that will be kept. Um, it just looks wonderful. Uh, so it's in an old school, which is a National Historic Landmark that first opened in 1869 and most recently was serving as a homeless shelter. In fact, that same, that same building was the site uh, in 1880 of Alexander Graham Bell's first successful wireless voice transmission, which makes it even more amazing that now this is a place called Planet World. This woman spent $35 million of her own, raised another $25 million. It has classrooms, an auditorium, and someday is going to be just an extraordinary place to visit. Planet Word, Washington, D.C. If you can imagine being able to travel and enjoy yourself again, 
I guess I have a caller. Go ahead, please. Jonathan. 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 Hey, how are you? I'm good. um, Thank you for telling us about this Planet Word. I'm looking at their website now. It looks fantastic. I can't wait to go to this. I know. And I I see um, on their homepage that they have some online events, some on uh, the We Love Word Games group and (gasps) some other uh, online things, some workshops and something about diverse, diverse cities about street art um, but that looks great that looks fun and also they have on the right side of the website a little turning thing that says surprise me and if you click on it it gives you uh, different facts um, different yeah. word facts that's really fun uh, mm. so that looks really cool so thanks I, and I want to mention to fellow word nerds out there I've told you about this but um, one of my favorite podcasts is called Away With Words, and it's hosted by two linguists, Martha and Grant, and uh, people call in and they answer, you have Away With Words, and they talk about regional dialects and um, meaning, how uh, etymology, different word and phrase origins and things like that, and they they had a call uh, not that long ago from somebody who said, you know, I, I have this friend, she was calling from somewhere in the Midwest. I have this friend who says Nebby. And uh, <laughs> started asking about Nebby and uh, she talks about um, when things are mixed up or if, if I'm a busy body or something and they were going to, and, and they said, uh-huh. And uh, tell me this friend, where is she from? Oh, she's from somewhere. And, uh, okay, and did she say where she heard it from? Yes, she heard it from her grandmother. Okay, and where did her grandmother live? Um, I think she lived in, in Pittsburgh, and they both said, aha, and they're, they're located <laughs> in, um, in San Diego. And yeah. she said, why, what, what did I say? What did I say? And, uh, but it's, it's a really well done, entertaining show. It's called Away With Words. You know what? I oh, have a... I have a six volume, uh, weighs tons, uh, something called the Dictionary of American Regional Regional English. Why am I blanking? I'm looking for the end. All the time. Okay, well, I've got it here. Uh Um, Actually, my brother and sister got it for me for my for my birthday. My, I think um, I had said I would like it. And it just occurred to me that I should look up <laughs> Nebby because it's got to be, it is so specific to this area. It is, you know, and if you moved here from anywhere else, that is, I mean, there were many words that I'd never heard before when I came here, but that was one that really, um, oh, wow. There's yeah, and it's related to uh, nib, like the nib of a pen. Uh, and it comes from a bird's beak, um, the, the, a word for really? a, a bird's beak. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it has to do with the nose of a bird and therefore uh, being nosy. It's, it's related to that. Okay. Uh, so that's where Yeah, you're right. Nebby. I've been wanting to get this. Okay, here it is. It says, by the way, it's right under nebbish, which is a Yiddish word. Uh-huh. Yiddish. <laughs> yeah. But nebby, it says uh snoopy inquisitive and they have a map here and it it literally shows western pennsylvania and a few that's a map of the united states and a few places in central uh pa and then they go on to nebby nosed neb nose uh neb out and uh and then there's a Shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. The kind of person Maybe who is always one. poking into other people's affairs. She's an awful nebshit. And that comes right. from, again, Pennsylvania. Um, I can't go into all of this stuff. That they, um, But you know what? There's also a little dot where they came upon neb nose that is in 
Louisiana, one place. Huh. Interesting. So go oh, figure. I love this stuff. I, love I know. Stuff. I do, too. I do, too. I've been meaning to get that book forever. You say it's six volumes? It's huge. Really? Wow. It's six yeah, I've volumes. Been, I'm sure it costs I'm going to get that one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe there's an online one that, that – you know, I first – heard about this when I started my television career in in, Wisconsin, in Madison, because the guy whose dream this was, was a professor um, at the University of Wisconsin. And he started this thing, and his name was Frederick Cassidy, and he didn't live to see the whole thing uh, finished, but it got finished. Dictionary of American Regional English, it's amazing. Oh, I just love that stuff. And yeah, like me I said, too. fellow word nerd, check out that podcast. It's really great. Okay. And you um and talking about the media for a second, uh, Uncle Dougie, Doug Hearth, used to always say that uh, you know, when it comes to the to news organizations, the media, they have one job and that's to sell soap. And that's, that's what they right. that's what they concentrate on. That's and right. That that was that was his phrase always. So. Well, that's it. He's right. Yep. Okay, you. All right, here. Good Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Yeah, I just want to catch up with the emails that have come in, and then uh, let's see here. Father Joseph says, I think we should remember that the president has the ability to influence public opinion. That's, yes, huge. And we have seen examples of this with Donald Trump. But the same will be true under Joe Biden. Therefore, it is reasonable to assume that more people will wear masks should Biden take office. Science will return to the forefront. Members of the Biden administration will ro- will be role uh, models, um, will role model obvious precautions such as wearing a mask. Information will flow that actually highlights devastating daily impact of the pandemic. Lives will be saved. The public will respond based on the influence of a Biden administration. Yes, some will fly don't tread on me flags as they refuse to care for themselves and show respect for others, but their numbers will diminish from Trump era levels. Have faith. (laughs) I wish I did. God bless you, Father Joseph. But um, yeah, you are. Your faith makes you more hopeful than I. And I, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Chuck writes, what is a conservative? I'd be very interested to know if there have been any studies revealing the demographics of Trump supporters. These people are not conservatives. Fox and Limbaugh and others have changed that word over the years. This is not the party of Ronald Reagan, even though Trump likes to mention Reagan at rallies. Oh, my God, Reagan must be rolling around in his grave. I blame the Tea Party for hijacking the Republican Party and taking it so far to the right that it is unrecognizable. That was a big part of the huge change, but... You know, in some ways, the Republican Party was flirting with what it's become. The white nationalism, that that was something that was always a part ever since, ever since uh, LBJ uh, did what he did with civil rights legislation. And as he signed it, knowing full well that he had just given up the solid Democratic South. He knew full well that that South would overnight become Republican. But he didn't want that South anymore. He didn't want the Democratic Party to be the party of the Confederacy. The Republicans, of course, eagerly glommed on. And one other thing we got, Roger saying, did I hear you correctly yesterday that not only Dave became infected, but others in the bar are sick too? Yeah. The bar was closed down. Roger says he's glad your vote was confirmed, though, Dave. 
My wife and I dropped off our votes last Saturday at the North Park Skating Rink. But that's now, yeah, you can't do that this weekend. It's done, I believe. There's no satellites open. Our daughter also voted, even though she's lived in New York City for 10 years. (laughs) Good. She's still registered in Pennsylvania and has her Pennsylvania driver's license. So her vote counts here and would be a waste in New York. Yeah. I'm not watching election television news until maybe Wednesday. Tuesday evening, we're volunteers collecting ballots from judges who are dropping ballots off from 200 polling places. Good for you. We'll probably be working after midnight. You bet. We took off Wednesday. Well, I will be watching Tuesday night for all the, you know, we'll see. There, we will know some things uh, Tuesday night. And I will be uh, doing the show on Wednesday, uh, probably uh, exhausted and hungover and <laughs> knows what else, whatever it is I have to do to get through the night. Um, but so anyway, uh, well, that's it for this week. And the unhappy reminder that next week, that most consequential week, I, is my last, will be my last week until um, after uh, my surgery, uh, which I hope will mean only about a two week uh, uh, vacation. <laughs> It's not going to be a vacation for me, I assure you. But whatever, I'm hoping I can come back then two weeks um, after. Okay, so um, I was going to say enjoy the lovely weather, but that, well, some people like this kind of weather. Anyway, be safe mostly. And remember, there's a surge uh, happening. So um Try to get yourself back in that mindset that we were all in in March and April. We were scared to death. And um, be that careful again. It's hard to get back to that. I know. We've all relaxed somewhat. Okay. That's it for me. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.